Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Today, I want to talk about the joys and dangers of marijuana. Now, hold on. The minute you mention the word marijuana, people get defensive and they say, well, you're not talking about the dangers of alcohol, which has destroyed more lives than marijuana. That's 100% true. But that doesn't mean either or. I'm not trying to sell alcohol here, nor am I peddling booze. I'm trying to tell you about the dangers of marijuana, the short and long-term effects of pot on the brain and body. Now, most of you already turned off. You don't want to hear it. It's all legal. It's all good. It's all wonderful. Is it? Do you know anything about marijuana and memory problems? Do you know what it does to your heart, to your lungs? Do you know what it does to pregnant or nursing mothers? Do you know about the risk of testicular cancer from smoking marijuana? No. Why? Because there's a gigantic marijuana industry out there, not only external, but in the government pushing marijuana the same way opium was pushed upon the Chinese to dumb down the entire Chinese population. Opium was pushed upon the Chinese by the British to enslave and imprison the Chinese people. That's exactly what happened. Then along came the Boxer Revolution and uh, that ended the opium addiction when they burned bales of opium in the ports of China and try to kick the British out of China who had addicted the Chinese people. Very interesting analogy, by the way, to the, quote, insurrection in Washington. It had nothing to do with marijuana, but just a little a little parallel here as we're t- talking. So what is my expertise to talk about this? Why do I even have the right to tell you anything about marijuana when you know everything? You get high on marijuana. It's very popular. You heard it's good for you. It's harmless. It's just fun. Every movie shows another another beautiful woman or another handsome man 
if you want to call them that, lighting up a joint like putting salt on a French fry. It's nothing. It's not dangerous, is it? Well, ask addiction centers if it's dangerous. Do you know about the millions of people who are addicted to marijuana? You don't because you're never seeing it because the industry is too powerful right now. And all of the governments want to get in on the act. At this point, Washington and Colorado, uh, you've seen the, the voters speak uh, on this issue. And as it is, you know, the federal government has a lot to do when it comes to criminal prosecutions. It does not make sense from a prioritization point of view for us to focus on recreational drug users in a state that uh, has already said that under state law that's legal. So I'm going to do a little, a little work for you today on the dangers of marijuana. Again, what's my background? I'm very, very knowledgeable about plants and plant medicines, botanical medicines. I studied them for many years. I did re research for many years, not just in books. I spent many years collecting medicinal plants in Fiji, in Tonga, in Samoa, and all through the South Pacific. I'm talking in the late 1960s, early 70s, and working with folk healers on, on healing plants, finding out which plants cured what or were treating what, whether it be a cut or whatever. And we would collect the plant, make a botanical specimen, a herbarium specimen, collect some of the dried plant, and send it back to Washington, D.C., to the National Cancer Institute for testing. I also worked in extracting compounds from plants in graduate school. Uh, to this day, I can smell the chemicals that were used. I loved uh, organic chemistry. And my professor was, at the time, uh, the former head of research at one of the major chemical companies in the world. He taught me an awful lot. We didn't study marijuana. We studied medicinal plants. I smoked marijuana for many years. I struggled with marijuana for those many years. I remember to this day, the day I started smoking marijuana. I was 17 years old, and a friend from Brooklyn, he was a bus driver, so-called turned me on, and he boasted that he turned the kid on. I mean, I was the kid. I was sort of the innocent kid from Queens to the rougher crowd from Brooklyn. And it was like a, a badge of honor for him that he turned the kid on. Now, I struggled with marijuana from the minute I first smoked it. Why? Because I'm what's known as a high-strung personality. I believe marijuana is probably harmless to lower intelligence people. Now, I know there are some very high IQ people who smoke marijuana. I would say they're the exception, not the rule. Generally, marijuana is a drug for people with lower intelligences, lower IQs, and people who don't have to use the higher powers of their brain. Again, that's a generalization, but it's generally true as well. I'm a high IQ person through uh, many years of testing and obviously looking at my, my accomplishments. I do not use Gorilla Glue on my hair in the morning, for example, as an example. I mean, there's certain things I know not to do, and certain one of the things I know not to do is use marijuana. So I smoked marijuana from 17. I struggled with it all through those years. I don't know how many years I smoked it, 13 years until I finally got rid of it. It was horrible. And, you, you know, I learned something before I go into the actual medicine of this stuff, the, the pharmacology. Uh, I learned something in the years of getting marijuana out of my system. I read at the time that as many years as you were smoking marijuana, 
regularly now, that's how many years it would take to get it completely out of your mind and body. It's true, though, because for years afterwards, I kept craving a joint. And before I go into the medicine of this, I got to go into the politics of this. We all know it's an industry that's enormous and everyone's rushing for the new gold, the gold of marijuana sales. Did you know who started this rush to dope up the population? George Soros. Am I making it up? No, because I know very well what happened. 1998, I was a host on the radio, national host. George Soros sent out one of his hacks, his paid hacks, to push medical marijuana initiatives in California and Arizona. He put $1 million into each state. Pike has changed by today's standards of shifting or changing elections. He spent $1 million in each state to lobby for the legalization of marijuana, medical marijuana. I argued vociferously against it, saying that legalizing medical marijuana was simply opening the door to legalizing marijuana for children and others. Well, I lost. They won. And look at the society today. Look how stupid it's become. There's a a word for marijuana called dope. And I believe that it's doped our society to an extent that anyone who is rational can see. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Chicago lawmen seized a four-acre field of marijuana. Retail value, $4 million. And they face the problem of disposing of the illicit crop before it goes to seed. Sheriff Lohman's answer, call in the Marine. Marijuana is a weed and spreads like crabgrass once it goes to sea. But three Marines armed with flamethrowers live up to the Corps' boast. They have the situation well in hand. Okay, so we can all laugh at that newsreel from the 1930s, you know, the, the, the FBI busting the marijuana people, throwing them in jail. Let me be very clear. I think that marijuana should be legal and it should be decriminalized but not promoted as a health food. Right now, many of you think that it's a health food and good for you. Again, ask the American Addiction Centers how harmless it is. Ask people who've been addicted to it how harmless it is. Ask people whose lives have been destroyed by marijuana how harmless it is. Ask people who've gone from marijuana to cocaine, to heroin, to fentanyl, and other dangerous drugs, how dangerous this gateway drug is before you open up your pie hole. Let's look at the chemistry and the physiology. What does it do to you? In the long run, what does it do to the brain? Well, we all know it has an active chemical compound called tetrahydrocannabinol or THC. And just before we go on into the THC thing for a minute, there are products on the market that are used for treating pain that are excellent that are devoid of THC because there are other cannabinoids that work very well to relax muscles reduce inflammation, protect damaged tissue, regulate appetite and metabolism, and other things. The endocannabinoids are very useful. But THC is very dangerous. What is THC? Now you're laughing, all you potheads saying, oh, that's the stuff I love, or get back to me in five years. Okay, what is it? What in marijuana is it that gets you high? THC mimics substances called endocannabinoids that the human body makes on its own. In the brain, endocannabinoids do their work 
by controlling the production of neurotransmitters. What is a neurotransmitter? Neurotransmitters are chemicals that facilitate communication between the central nervous system and the brain. In your body, in the rest of your body, outside your brain, as I just said, the endocannabinoids relax muscles, reduce inflammation, regulate appetite, protect damaged tissue, etc. So these are all good things. These are the good things that your body does, right? But what are the long-term effects of marijuana on dopamine? What happens to the brain of young people? It's one of the most popular drugs on the market today. Maybe you're a parent listening to this podcast and you want your son or daughter to listen to it and they can laugh at this old guy. Tell them that this old guy spent many years in the islands of the South Pacific before Fiji was in a bottle of water, sitting in villages collecting medicinal plants and working in laboratories on the uh, on natural healing, natural remedies. They can look up some of my books. But uh, before I get into the distinct area of weed and opioids, let me say right away, there's a reason it's called dope, because it causes memory problems. And amongst young people, cannabis temporarily prevents the brain from developing new memories and learning new things, which actually is a form of short-term memory. Can you believe this? Well, you better believe it. And we'll talk about dopamine levels. People who start smoking pot around the age of 16 can become dependent on these substances by 20. What about heart disease? You don't care about that if you're young, right? Well, you'll care about it when you're not young. But potheads are more likely to have persistent coughs, trouble breathing. They produce excess phlegm and mucus from their throats. Marijuana can cause irregular heart rates increases the risk of acute coronary syndrome. Pregnant or nursing mothers pay close attention. Pot has been associated with long-lasting harm to the exposed child's memory. Babies, infants, fetuses. Your cannabis toxins are carried in breast milk and can be passed to the infant during breastfeeding. Most of you won't drink when you're pregnant. You know enough not to do that because you don't want fetal alcohol syndrome in your child. You, you know, you heard about that. But what about fetal marijuana syndrome, something I just named? I just named it fetal marijuana syndrome. You won't hear that because there's too much money involved right now. We know that only one in 10 users become addicts, but people who start cannabis use in adolescence, that rate increases to one in six become addicted. Can you just kick it whenever you want? You go try it. You go try it. You go try it. Many of you say, oh, I can get off it any time I want. It's not addictive. Nonsense. It's very addictive. Just try to kick it and see whether it's addictive or not. And by the way, see what it does to your depression, insomnia, anxiety, and, and appetite. The long-term dangers of marijuana are well known in the medical literature. And again, I want to go back to the endocannabinoids. What are they? Well, I told you, we make them ourselves. Our bodies make them ourselves. But the THC in cannabis mimics natural endocannabinoids. And the same effects that, are, that come about from the normal application of endocannabinoids in your own body, like pain control, inflammation control, are triggered with the use of marijuana. 
which is the good thing. Unfortunately, THC causes memory issues and affects pain levels, alters emotion, pleasure, and movement control. Definitely screws up your memory. Why does marijuana screw up your, your memory? It's the way marijuana affects the hippocampus, the region of the brain that regulates short-term memory. Cannabis temporarily prevents the brain from developing new memories and learning new things, which is a form of short-term memory. So it makes you stupid. There's a study in the journal Molecular Psychiatry, a journal, and they found that heavy cannabis users are at risk for developing false memories. Hello? False memories. Even if users had not smoked pot for over a month. Did you hear this? False memories. Regular marijuana smokers in their teenage years are therefore more likely to have serious memory problems. Uh, A study on this was published in the Hippocampus Journal, which found that teens who smoke pot every day for three years actually had abnormally shaped hippocampal regions when they reached their early 20s. It actually changes the anatomy of the hippocampus in the brain. And those people performed around 18% worse in long-term memory tests. Go fly a jet plane while you're high. Again, before you laugh at what you're hearing and turn this off, I am not promoting the use of any other drugs or alcohol. Don't assume because I'm knocking marijuana, I'm telling you to go out and have a beer. I didn't say that. Just listen and learn something. Don't be a dummy your whole life. You'll thank me in the long run. There was another study published in the, in the JAMA Internal Medicine. J-A-M-A Internal Medicine. And they found that there was, quote, such a consistent association with verbal memory for chronic exposure to marijuana, even when other factors like cigarettes and alcohol were put into the equation. As the years of marijuana use went up, verbal memory scores went down. 50% of pot smokers tended to remember one fewer word from a list of 15 words. (laughs) One of the study's authors worried that, quote, this transient effect could damage how the brain processes information, how that information is recalled later. It's perfect for Twitter. Marijuana is perfect for tweeters. Really, really good for people on Twitter or Facebook, where you just have to grunt out a few words and think you're literate. Okay, so let's move on. Let's look at the rest of the story here on the dangers of marijuana. Again, most dangers for young people. And now it's being pushed into children as something that's healthy and a health food like sushi. I wonder how many liberal mothers give their daughters a joint at age 13 because they smoked it. I don't know. Just look how they dress in the streets. You could probably figure it out. What about toxic chemicals in marijuana? Hmm? Oh, there aren't any. It's an herb, isn't it? Wrong. It has toxic chemicals like tobacco, but some of them are worse. Marijuana smoke contains ammonia, hydrogen, cyanide, and these chemicals in long term can damage the bronchial passages in the lungs. Regular potheads are more likely to have coughs, trouble breathing, phlegm, mucus in their throats. And there's a journal of general internal medicine which wrote that marijuana smoking does to respiratory health some bad things. It has some significant similarities to that of tobacco smoking, right? 
But what about THC when it leaves the respiratory system after you've gotten high? Where does it go? Your body's an amazing machine. THC, the active compound in cannabis, which gets you high, leaves the lungs, goes into the bloodstream, and moves throughout the body. What happens then? The National Institute on Drug Abuse says that the chemical can increase the heart rate by as many as 50 beats per minute, which can last as long as three hours. Now, I've got to pause right here because I remember when I was young, one of the effects that I hated from marijuana was increased, an increased heart rate, sweaty palms, paranoia. It happened to me every time I smoked. And I knew it was no good for me. As I say, many of you smoke it and you think it's great for you. God bless you. Get back to me in 10 years. I'm warning you right now, when you get older, regular marijuana use can contribute to the possibility of a heart attack, but also to heart rhythm disorders and stroke, even in young people, even in young people who have no other risk factors for heart disease. The American College of Cardiology notes that marijuana causes irregular heart rates, increases the risk of an acute coronary syndrome, right? So if you have any desire to avoid a heart attack, avoid marijuana. The American College of Cardiology writes this, quote, marijuana's use may be associated with increased mortality in patients with a history of myocardial infarctions, heart attacks, end quote. So in other words, if you're a heart attack patient, don't fall for the big lie that marijuana is good for you. Now, I know what's the big missing link in this discussion. What you're going to say is, I don't smoke it, I take it in a brownie. I don't smoke it, I take it in a gummy. I don't smoke it, I take it in, a, in a this, in some honey. Or I drink it in some dr drink that they made now. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Remember, most of what I'm telling you today is about the effects of THC, irrespective of the form of delivery. What about if you're a pregnant and nursing mother? As I said to you, if you're stupid and you want to produce a baby who's addicted, go ahead and smoke that joint. How could you not understand that? Many of you certainly wouldn't drink if you're pregnant. I told you before, because you're afraid of causing fetal alcohol syndrome, a well-known effect of drinking in mothers when they're pregnant. And there are, there are manifestations of fetal alcohol syndrome that are well-known. You can look it up anytime you want. So any mother who's sane does not drink alcohol when the baby is uh, gestating. I'm sorry, the fetus is gestating. It's well known. But you might smoke a joint, won't you? Because you saw that it's good for you. Because some slut in, in Hollywood smokes it while she's pregnant. Because some degenerate movie director put that scene in to make sure that you'd addict your, your own child. I'm warning you. If you are pregnant or want to become pregnant or are already pregnant, Stop using marijuana. Don't use it. There's a whole story here about wanting to become pregnant, which I should do at another time. Because I wrote a book many years ago on, on what you should do in order to become pregnant, what not to do when you're trying to become uh, a pregnant. What about addiction and, and testicular cancer? I can just speed this up a little bit. There's an article about what 20 years of research has taught us about the chronic effects of marijuana. And there are other problems related to the long-term use of, of dope, risk of addiction, possibility of testicular cancer. Where's that coming from? It was a 2015 study published by BMC Cancer, that's the British Medical Journal, Cancer, found that, quote, current chronic and frequent cannabis use is associated with the development of testicular germ cell tumors. Could you believe this? Now, doctors said this does not mean that marijuana causes cancer. 
They also said that testicular cancer is a very rare condition. However, there is a relationship between cannabis and the risk of testicular cancer. So there is a risk factor involved, according to the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Let's talk about sex and marijuana. Many of you think that it's good for sex. It makes you have better sex. I don't know. That's up to you. We do know that it reduces inhibitions. The Journal of Archives of Sexual Behavior said that, quote, the illegality of marijuana actually facilitated the sexual exploits of study participants with many people using the thrill of the illegal activity where the purchase and use of cannabis are taboo to augment their sexual desires and behaviors. That means nothing because marijuana is legal almost everywhere now. And as I said to you, I'm for decriminalizing marijuana, but we need a big educational campaign on the dangers. It certainly has to be stopped from being sold to children. Animal studies, what did they show us about marijuana and sex? Animal studies found that marijuana inhibits the receptors in the erectile tissue of the animal penis in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. What does that tell us? Cannabis consumption before sex does more to limit sexual function than it does to increase it. Those of you who don't know this, I'm just giving you a little uh, stuff on this. What are the other health risks? Do I need to give them to you? Huh? People who smoke pot for a long time, according to the Journal of Medical Association, J-A-M-A, according to the Journal of the American Medical Association, people who smoke dope for a long time had worse gum health than others, development of gum disease, increased risk of psychotic illness. That's a big one. IQ decline, downward socioeconomic mobility. Um, okay, fine. So you'll say that's all because it was illegal, but now that it's legal, all that's going to go away. Again, get back to me in 10 years. And by the way, call up an addiction center and ask them how many kids and people are trying to kick marijuana and have to go into addiction centers. Okay? What does it do to your, to your life, whether it's legal or illegal? It does an awful lot of bad stuff. And I just want to say this to you. Just remember this. You may think it gets you high and it makes you feel good. A lot of things get you high and make you feel good. But in the long run, it will affect you very negatively and it will increase your risk of health problems in your mid and later life. This is Dr. Michael Savage with a real PhD in a field related to herbal medicine from the University of California at Berkeley. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. Debauchery, violence, murder, suicide, and the ultimate end of the marijuana addict. Hopeless insanity. All right, so we're all having a good laugh, laughing at these 1930s anti-marijuana uh, sound bites that the U.S. government put out. But, you know, maybe your grandfather or great-grandfather was not wrong. We know where there's smoke, there's harm. 
We know there's a lot of marijuana abuse. Just ask addiction centers. We know there's a physiological addiction to marijuana. It is very addictive. People become dependent upon it. We know that there's psychological harms. We know that there's a danger to society from this wholesale pushing of medical marijuana. Now, again, is marijuana harmful? Here's an interesting thing that I'm going to tell you. In order to get any negatives on marijuana today, you have to go way back in the medical literature because I'm talking about the science literature. You can't find it anymore. It's been uh, denuded from the literature and there's no new money being put into the dangers of marijuana because the industry has now taken over science. They're funding all the science showing you how great it is. What about the potential social harms? as a result of legalizing marijuana for medical uses. Remember I told you it was George Soros who first put a million dollars into California and a million dollars into Arizona to legalize marijuana. And I was the only one in the media saying, no, watch out, they want to legalize marijuana. Again, I want marijuana decriminalized. I don't want seeing people in jail for, for smoking marijuana. On the other hand, there have to be some very serious controls and a tremendous educational campaign in our schools. Now, we all know tobacco smoking is detrimental, and we know that marijuana is free of nicotine, but we know that smoke of any kind pollutes the lungs. We all know that. That's common sense. But what about marijuana joints themselves? Marijuana joints deliver at least four times as much tar to the lungs as tobacco cigarettes of equivalent weight. Let me repeat that, all of you potheads. Marijuana joints deliver four times as much tar to the lungs as tobacco cigarettes of equivalent weight. Just put that into your pipe and smoke it. Just remember that, okay? Clinical studies teach us that people who smoke marijuana are more likely to develop respiratory illnesses than non-smokers. How do we know that? Why? A survey of outpatient medical visits at a large health maintenance organization, HMO, found that marijuana users were more likely to seek help for respiratory illnesses than people who smoke neither marijuana or tobacco. Okay. Now, I want to go back for a minute. This is a study I'm quoting from, from a few years ago. Actually, you can't find these anymore. And it's um, something that came out of uh, uh, the NCBI, NIH. A number of years ago and you have to go back quite a few years to find these things because I said that they're not funding this anymore it's a very long study and I don't want to read it all to you but I want to give you some cautionary tales here some real cautionary tales I'm doing the work for you okay again I'm not selling you on drinking beer or drinking wine or drinking alcohol okay it's not either or it's both and how about respiratory illnesses from marijuana how about this stuff with uh, COVID that we hear about all the time? It definitely increases your risk of lung damage. And so in this study done by the NIH a number of years ago, it was done with marijuana smokers who consume three to four joints a day. And compared with tobacco smokers who smoked an average of 20 cigarettes a day. Of course, most people don't smoke like that anymore. But people who smoke both dope and tobacco reported no more symptoms of chronic bronchitis overall than those who smoke tobacco alone. So smoking marijuana, according to this study, did not increase the harms caused by smoking tobacco, did not increase it alone. But there was an interaction. There was an interaction. And this study was done on people who smoked less marijuana and tobacco. 
than those who participated in the previously described study. This may be a little confusing. Use common sense here. Even a light amount of marijuana with tobacco is very dangerous. You say, well, I don't do tobacco. I only do marijuana. Okay. Well, just know that in either case, marijuana smoke reduces respiratory function. Okay. So you take a gummy or you get it some other way. So you say, I don't, I'm safe. I don't care. I, I just did a whole piece on the dangers of THC itself. But now I want to stick to the dangers of smoking mar- marijuana again. Okay. Bronchial injury. Bronchial injury. Greater among people who smoke both marijuana and tobacco. Damages the interiors of bronchial cells. They develop a variety of abnormalities. And some of these abnormalities are known to be precursors of cancer. And these have been seen in the respiratory tracts of marijuana and hashish smokers who did not use tobacco. Just just the dope alone. We see a lot of ads on TV for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, a slow progressive loss of elasticity in the passage that delivers air to the lungs. People with COPD become short of breath and they show symptoms of chronic bronchitis. Now, when the scientists try to determine whether marijuana smoke also provokes COPD, they got conflicting results. I'm giving you the the truth here. I'm not going to just say it's all bad. Conflicting results. One group reported that smoking as little as a single joint a day impaired small airway function, while another study failed to detect similar damage even in people who smoked four joints a day for more than 10 years. So the doctor is out on whether chronic marijuana smoking actually causes COPD, but the scientists conclude there's good reason to suspect that it does. Okay, be concerned, be cautious. Many of the carcinogenic or cancer-causing compounds found in tobacco are also found in burning marijuana. Unfiltered smoke from joints contains higher concentrations of chemicals called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, PAHs, than does smoke from tobacco cigarettes. Let me pause there. Smoke from joints actually has higher concentrations of a class of chemicals called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons than the smoke from tobacco cigarettes. So right away, you potheads are saying, yeah, yeah, but I use a bong. I smoke it through water like the Arabs do. Good for you. How'd that work out for them? Sitting on the behinds for a a thousand years in a tent, smelling camel dung. Cut that out. Cut that out, Michael. No jokes here. Uh, Okay. Let's keep going on. Research found that marijuana smokers' lung cells contain higher levels of an enzyme that converts those polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons into a cancer-causing form. So some studies show that marijuana or implicate that marijuana smoking is a risk factor for lung cancer as well as for mouth and throat cancer. Mouth and throat cancer. Other studies show that marijuana smokers are at greater risk than non-smokers of developing cancers and tissues that come into contact with smoke, such as the lungs, mouth, larynx, pharynx, and esophagus. Okay? So I can give you one study after another, and you're going to laugh at it anyway if you're a pothead. I'll tell you something about marijuana and marijuana users. They tend to deny any negative associations with their addictive drug. Every time I did this subject on the radio over the years, 
they would get very defensive and say, well, who says alcohol is good for you? You're trying to push alcohol pops? No, I'm not pushing anything. If you want to learn, listen. If you don't want to learn, then don't listen to this podcast. Go get high, moron. What about the carcinogenicity of marijuana? Well, it's common sense that marijuana smoke uh, will damage the cells. Very well done. If you look at the cellular level, there's strong evidence it contains that marijuana smoke contains carcinogens. Exposure to marijuana smoke was shown to cause chromosomal damages that precede cancer. Write that one down. Marijuana smoke was shown to cause chromosomal changes that precede cancer, and in some cases, outright malignancies, both in isolated human and animal lung cells. Similar changes were seen in the actual lung cells of marijuana smokers, and even higher levels were seen amongst those who smoke both marijuana and tobacco. Again, pregnant women, studies were done in them. You're not going to believe this. It's a very sad one. This is a big one. What happens to the blood cells taken from pregnant women who were exclusive smokers of marijuana and from the blood taken from their babies after they were born? Pay close attention, women. There's a class of white blood cells called lymphocytes, and researchers found significantly more DNA aberrations of a type linked to cancer development as compared with lymphocytes from non-smoking women and their newborns. In earlier studies, the same group of scientists found similar changes in the DNA of tobacco smokers, which shows that substances responsible for this damage are present in both marijuana smoke and tobacco smoke. You want me to go on to cannabinoids? It's a long study. Marijuana abuse. How about abuse and addiction? Let me move on to addiction. And if you're a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or a wife or a husband, of someone addicted to marijuana, then cut this section out and play this for your mate or your, or your child. Let me explain something to you. All you got to do is ask addiction centers about people who have enlisted or been sent to addiction centers because they're addicted to marijuana and can't kick it. It's that simple. Let's make it real simple, okay? Because there's a physiology of use and abuse. Even marijuana users who do not fit the DSM-4 criteria for abuse or substance dependence will show symptoms of tolerance, physical dependence, and withdrawal. What is tolerance? What is physical dependence and what is withdrawal? Do you want to know this or not? I'll make it simple. Tolerance, it's a common response to the repeated use of any drug, and it happens when increasing amounts are required to produce a given effect. Physical dependence describes the body's adaptation to frequently used drugs. You're dependent on it. And physical dependence often leads to substance abuse. If someone who is physically dependent on a drug stops taking it, that person is likely to experience withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Most drugs that are abused produce tolerance, physical dependence, and withdrawal. But also, this happens with caffeine and nicotine as well as many non-addictive drugs for pain, anxiety, and high blood pressure. We know that. Try to give up coffee if you've been a lifetime coffee drinker, right? For example, if people who take the medication propranolol for hypertension, propranolol, I don't know how to pronounce it. I've used it myself when I've had arrhythmia after my heart attack. I took it from time to time. Uh, I used it to control my heart rate because it's a beta blocker. 
But if you're taking this drug for hypertension and you abruptly stop taking the drug, you're going to experience withdrawal symptoms, which could include a rise in blood pressure. And to avoid that, those problems, doctors tell those patients to gradually decrease their dose of this drug before switching to a different hypertension drug. But let's get back to marijuana. Regular marijuana users quickly develop tolerance to most of the drug's effects. Okay? If users go without marijuana for a week or so, they lose their tolerance to its effects. Now, this is interesting. Tolerance to different effects of the same drug can develop at varying rates. Heroin users, for example, become tolerant to the drug's euphoric effects more quickly than they do to its ability to interfere with breathing. Because they tend to increase the amount of drug they take in order to attain the same high, heroin users risk death by asphyxiation. Now, according to any science I've read, marijuana users have never been seen to die of an overdose. But they could wind up in an emergency room. Emergency rooms are now filling up with people who've taken too much THC. Increased heart rate, anxiety, paranoia, fear, and they're in the emergency room. Just remember what I just said to you. Again, you're not going to read this or see this anywhere because the marijuana industry right now is all powerful and the governments are rushing to get into the business. Now, this applies, by the way, to people who take oral THC or smoke it. You will become tolerant to some of the drug's effects more quickly than to other drugs, according to the studies I have read. I'm going to give you one study for those of you who are doubting Thomas's. One group of patients or participants smoked marijuana cigarettes four times a day for four consecutive days, while the other group took THC pills on the same schedule. This is for those of you who use gummies, okay? Both groups thought that the same amount of drug made them feel less and less high over the course of four days. But neither of these groups thought that their drug-induced increases in appetite declined over that time, right? The marijuana smoking group reported feeling mellow after smoking throughout the four days, while the THC taking group never reported feeling mellow. Hmm, that's interesting. Why? I don't know. Maybe that's an association. And I'm just telling you, use common sense here. Research will show you that THC produces tolerance in your brain. And there's many studies on this, and I don't want to talk about their effects on CB1 and CB2 receptors. Cannabinoids uh, have a desensitizing effect on other proteins and target cells as well. Just be careful. Because withdrawal from either marijuana or THC has been shown to cause several distinct symptoms. Very distinct symptoms. Do you want to hear them? Pay close attention. Tell me if this applies to you when you try to kick marijuana or THC restlessness, irritability, mild agitation, insomnia, sleep disturbance, nausea, cramping. Again, these are very, very disturbing symptoms, and they're far milder than the symptoms associated with alcohol withdrawal, for sure. But I'm not pushing alcohol. Very high doses of oral THC. Oral THC, not the cigarette. The equivalent amount of smoking between five and ten joints of average potency a day for 10 to 20 days. That's a high amount. Produced withdrawal symptoms, which included runny nose, sweating, decreased appetite, but lasted only four days. Okay? I'm going to move on now. 
because many of you think marijuana is harmless. Again, the only evidence I can offer you because you're not listening to a word I'm saying to most of you potheads. Ask emergency room doctors how many people are coming in from uh, marijuana overdose symptoms. And um, we know what it does to your appetite, so therefore you know it's having a physiological effect on you. We know that from animal studies that dopamine levels rise in response to feelings of sexual attraction and when eating sweet foods, which is why chocolate is so popular. So... I think I've given you enough for right now. I've talked about dependence, the dangers amongst younger people, and uh, I think that that's enough because anymore I think you're going to turn off. Just know this. Marijuana carries a risk of dependence and abuse. Just remember that. And that's whether it's smoked or taken in another form, right? Again, I will give you another caveat, though. Compared with alcohol and tobacco and several prescription medications like the opioids, Marijuana's abuse is uh, uh, relatively small compared to those. Just to put it in context, it doesn't mean it's good for you, right? But what about the psychological drawbacks, the psychoactive effects of marijuana? Uh, it's said to reduce anxiety, sed- cause sedation and euphoria. It may, in some people it does. That's why they use it. It's a paradox. It is a paradox. That's why so many people use medical marijuana and so people say it's very good good for you if you're an older person who's using it for pain management good for you but if you're using it as a recreational drug because it gives you a temporary sense of well-being or euphoria good for you getting high you get more talkative you be easier to talk to people because it suppresses short-term memory and learning and um, what you don't know is you're talking gibberish. People under the influence of marijuana generally cannot carry an intelligible conversation. They sound like the average Democrat voter. Those who think that Biden is a savior. I know a lot of weed smokers. Those who like to see people ruling by executive order. They're perfect for, uh, for the Biden vote. Now, I don't want to get too political here. Again, I want to tell you again. The emergency rooms are filled with people who come in with terrible anxiety, paranoia, panic attacks, depression, depersonalization, delusions, illusions, hallucinations, especially from the new marijuana that's out there, which is many times more powerful than that smoked in the 1960s and 70s. You ever have any of these symptoms? Huh? Anxiety, paranoia, panic, panic attacks, depression, depersonalization, delusions, illusions, and hallucinations. No, you haven't? Well, you're very lucky. Because large doses of marijuana impair cognition. This was looked at by scientists using imaging techniques called positron emission tomography, PET scans. And they measured the acute effects of marijuana on brain functions. And they saw blood flow abnormalities in volunteers after they smoked a single marijuana cigarette. Specifically, the circulation to the temporal lobe of the brain, which governs auditory attention, were restricted. Hmm. I wonder why people listen to music when they're high. And this effect coincided with diminished performance in listening tasks. But here's something interesting. Smoking marijuana seemed to increase, not decrease, blood flow to the brain's frontal lobes and lateral cerebellum. 
sounds complex. The frontal lobes control a variety of cognitive functions, including, interesting, abstract thinking, but they're also involved in motor control and emotional reactions. So in other words, marijuana appears to increase blood flow to those lobes in the brain that affect abstract thinking and also involve motor control and emotional reactions, which is why artists sometimes use it, right? I would not suggest that you use it if you're an artist, but some do. Other structural changes in the brain were seen, which I won't bore you with. Attention span diminished. Muscular coordination is diminished, such as that required for driving. Okay? And I want you to understand that. A study of experienced airplane pilots showed that their performance on flight simulated tests was impaired for as long as 24 hours after smoking a single joint. Hmm. And here's something interesting. Prior to taking the test, the pilots told investigators that they were sure their performance would not be affected. Thank God there's drug testing required for pilots. That's all I can say. Because marijuana impairs cognitive and psychomotor performance. Be very careful about that. No one under the influence of marijuana or THC should drive a vehicle, operate potentially dangerous equipment. I only wish Mm -hmm. there were more road checks for driving while stoned. I'm glad we have driving tests for alcohol use. Well, thank God for that. I'd love to see them doing flash tests for marijuana and driving. Very important, especially with the pushing of marijuana right now. I want to conclude with one other thing for those of you who have seen the psychological effects of marijuana on themselves, because you're probably a high-strung person, highly intelligent. Do you know that there are clinical reports in many emergency rooms of marijuana-induced states that mimic psychosis such as schizophrenia, depression, and mania, and these symptoms can last a week or more? Be careful. There's a thing called marijuana psychosis, and I'm not going to make any jokes. Because amongst some sensitive people, marijuana use can induce a psychosis characterized by symptoms which include confusion, amnesia, delusions, hallucinations, anxiety, and agitation. Okay? It's very important that you understand this. Because drug abuse is very common among people with mental illness who are trying to self-medicate. We've heard that a thousand times. A lot of heroin addicts say that they're just treating themselves for their illness. It's a sad truth. And uh, a disproportionately large number of people with schizophrenia use marijuana. It only makes them worse, much worse. People with schizophrenia prefer the effects of marijuana over those produced by alcohol and cocaine. I don't know if you know that. I don't know why. It may give them some relief from the symptoms. But I just want to warn you that people with schizophrenia or a family history of the disease should recognize that using marijuana puts you at a greater than average risk for adverse psychiatric reactions. You want the euphoria? Be careful. Just be very careful. So medical marijuana itself, is it a danger to society? I'll let you decide. Is it a gateway drug to cocaine or heroin or other dangerous drugs for sure absolutely because it's the most widely used drug out there and it's the first one that most people encounter including users who later turn to other illicit substances warn your child 
that before having that joint at a party, there are very real dangers to their lungs, to their brain, to their heart, and to their future. Be very aware of that. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. London's Hyde Park becomes a hippie festival as some 3,000 so-called flower children gather to preach love, peace, and legalize pot, marijuana to us. The colorful, chaotic congregation use posters to plead their cause. A confiscated accordion used to accompany Buddhist chants and a speedily removed smoke bomb were the only incidents. The nonviolent demonstration brought stares, gasps, and chuckles. And this just has to be the living end. Now, I've given you all the negatives, but I want to talk about the positives for a minute. When properly used in a medical setting, not to get high, marijuana affects the body and mind in powerful ways. And aside from the damage caused by smoking marijuana, taking it in another way, I don't think you have to worry about it that much, especially if you're an older person using it to treat pain. There are potential good uses of cannabinoids to relieve the symptoms of several specific conditions. And I've told you that earlier. I'm just giving you the caveats and the warnings that you should know because there are very real dangers, especially for the young This is the Michael Savage podcast. If you'd like to learn more about this, you can do some research on your own. Because now that medical marijuana is the thing, the children are going to latch onto it and say, if it's good for my grandfather's arthritis, it must be good for me. Nothing could be further from the truth because... I will probably do an entire podcast on the, or I should say this, I could do an entire podcast on the effects of marijuana and or THC on the developing brain, which is wholly different than using marijuana to reduce pain for people who are suffering. You know, in concluding this this podcast on the joys and dangers of marijuana, I want to add something to this. What you said about this topic on Twitter Because um, I posted this before I did this podcast, and I said this. Should my next podcast be on the joys and dangers of marijuana, the medical and psychological dangers, not a moral issue for me, much medical literature on the very real damage done by the active principle THC, especially to developing brains. So people were saying things like, yes, discuss marijuana versus opioids, pros and cons. Another one said, THC ruined my life and left me mentally ill. I always wanted to call in and share with you my story and how THC degraded me. You hear this? Another one said, smoke a joint first before you speak on it. And I answered him. I said, I did for many years. It is a toxic poison to high IQ people, excellent for dummies. And he said, didn't know that. And I think you're right. I'll be sure to tune in. So you see, it's interesting about Twitter. People just shoot their mouths off. Another gentleman wrote, I know for a fact that pot wrecks adolescent male brains. Oldest son never touched it and is in medical school now. Younger sons, not so much. You hear this? Another person said, I agree with developing brains. I smoked zero marijuana until I was like 25 years old. Probably should have then, but it does help with the creativity if you're already a creative person. 
Another one says, if you aren't creative, it won't magically make you creative, which is 100% true. Another one says, a phrase comes to mind, personal liberty. If my actions affect another in no tangible way, how the hell is it your business? Decriminalization of all drugs and the stupidity and the money pit. Well, didn't I say that already? I said decriminalize it. Just shows you how defensive they get. I said decriminalize marijuana, right? So my friends, the bottom line is marijuana was dumped on America by very evil left-wing forces. It started with legalized medical marijuana. We're not talking about legalizing it for everyone. They were lying. It's equivalent to what was done to the population in China by the British when they dumped opium on the Chinese and addicted the entire nation of China to opium. It was only when the Boxer Rebellion occurred and the British were kicked out of China and the opium bales burned at the wharves that were being shipped into uh, China that the Chinese people were able to free themselves of this dangerous drug. I hope it takes this country less than 100 years to understand what was done to them by the left-wing forces that pushed this down the throats of our children under the guise of saving the nation. Thank you for listening to the Michael Savage Podcast. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.